thanks for tuning in to episode 58 of the Matt Matt O'Scale Trains podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Zizuha, and with me as always are, of course, my co-hosts. And we got, uh, here we got Johnny and Matt R. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing good, doing good. Nice to have you back on the show, Matt. Yeah, I, uh, finally I don't have to work uh, today, so that's good. I uh, missed the last couple ones with the uh, Lionel catalog, and unfortunately I, I do... Wish I could have done that, but uh, you know I had to work, and you know got to make money to buy trains somehow, like a uh, little class A, right, Johnny? I mean, whoa, whoa, working? No, no, no. The work, podcast yeah. is your job. This so, we uh, you do this twenty four seven. I wish I could. Let me tell you, if there if there's a time to do it, I want to know. But <laughs> yeah. uh, what can you do? Well, what's up, welcome man? Back. Welcome back, Maddie Z. So well, thank you very much. I appreciate the warm welcome, guys. Not a cold yep, welcome. I- <laughs> what the cold welcome yeah I'll give you a cold welcome there you go I'm, I'm, welcome. I'm, I'm excited uh well two things i'm excited about tonight's topic which i'll let you uh announce but um other than that it's it's good for us to have a nice little trio uh conversation about a topic you know bring us bringing us back to our roots uh our mat mat roots again so i'm kind of excited to talk about this yeah, I think this will be fun. We haven't done one of these in quite a while. Johnny, what do you think? I know. I think I was still a I think I was just a listener before we last did something like this. Yeah, it might have was, been something well, like that. That was the last topic I discussed about this, like what, like smoke fluid, I think? Yeah, the last one was something like this. Yeah, I think it was smoke fluid, someone knows. Yeah, that was not even a host back then. That was before we even went to York for the first time with uh, Matt and I. So Yeah, long time ago. Oh yeah. Well, so this will be a lot of fun. So uh Tonight, uh, we'll start off with doing our little bit of maintenance items, you know, all that sort of deal, and then we will return. Before we get going with tonight's episode here, we'll uh, just hit some of our basic maintenance items, and then we'll move on to the show for tonight. So as always, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Podbean, of course, that's our home base, uh, YouTube, as well as Amazon Music. Uh, We also, of course, have the Discord server, which is now beyond 200 members and it's quite the happening place you know it's just something that we've talked about a lot on the show as a community aspect and just something that's always really great Uh, it's a public discord so anyone uh, can join it we'll throw a link in the description of the video here and uh, because this is a public discord you will have to acknowledge that you read the rules as this is a community server a uh, great group of moderators, of course, including us three hosts. And so we always make sure that everybody is treated with respect and is uh, very safe in our community here. Uh, we have a new URL for the podcast, and that would be mnmpodcast.com. Find us there. All right. So the last thing we'll talk about are Matt and Matt merchandise. So if you want anything with our logo on it, be it, you know, a button, a coffee mug, a sticker hat, whatever, uh, you can go to redbubble.com and you can look up Matt and Matt and you will be able to find us there. Before we start, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Trains.com. If you are looking for a great deal on used and new model railroading products and want top-notch service, then please head over to Trains.com where they have about over 120,000 products with new ones added every day. You can also sign up for their newsletter to see newly listed and newly discounted products and receive advance notice of upcoming promotions. 
Now, I've been using trains.com myself as well as my co-hosts, and we highly recommend them to our listeners. Now, if you're like us and you're always on the lookout for your next engine, join the Trains Rewards program to earn points on every purchase and unlock future discounts. And if you're an avid collector and want first dibs on new items, sign up for the private car membership to get early access to new listings, earn five points per dollar spent, and unlock great benefits like no questions asked returns. Now, guys, don't forget that uh, you'll need parts to keep your engines and cars operating smoothly. And to do this, Trains has a collection of 15,000-plus parts available on their website for any item you may need. And also, if you're interested in downsizing your collection or know someone who is unfortunately leaving the hobby, Trains also buys collections. So head over to sellmytrains.com to get a quote, and Trains makes it easy to sell your collection. Now, if you do plan on buying from them, please use our affiliate link, which is www.trains.com mmop. You can also use our unique one-time promo code MMOP for $10 off a single purchase on the trains.com website. All right. So on tonight's episode, we're going to do one that was a uh, uh, listener request. And this is kind of something that we kind of threw around the idea of, you know, we have all these, you know, topics that we've been putting in a separate little chat in our uh, discord server for us hosts. And, you know, figure, you know what? Why don't we do one of them? So we got the first one in a bunch of topics here, and it is from user Bradfish three thousand, and it reads as follows: I have an, I have a episode topic suggestion. As a guy who went from Fast Track to Lionel and Menard's Tubular, I think an episode about track manufacture pros and cons would be an excellent topic. So, well, Brad, here we go. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to kind of go over the various brands of track that are out there in the O-Scale marketplace. Now, some of these brands have gone away with time, and a couple of them you'll be able to recognize. But uh, I think this will be a lot of fun. You know, I've worked with a bunch of different brands of track. Right now, I'm actually in the middle of transitioning track. Right now, I'm going from uh, Lionel uh, Fast Track to Ross and Gargraves. I'll talk about that later on. And so I think this will be a lot of fun. What do you think, guys? I actually don't actually buy track, Matt. I actually hand lay all of my track and hand spike it. So uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Hey, there are people that do that. And it, I tell you, that is a feat. I, I I could never do that. No. But it just looks fantastic when it's done. I, I, I envy the people that have the time to do that. They're very much very much a two-rail thing to do. Nothing wrong with very, that. Very, very I just don't have the patience. I just like buying track. It's easy. Me too. It's much simpler for me. But yeah, it's gonna be cool. Um, mm-hmm. I played around with my fair share track, building my layout, and learned a couple things here and there. So we'll uh, we'll see. How are you, Matt R? I know you got some new tracks and layouts recently. I did, and I'm actually excited to talk about it because it's the first time I've actually bought track for myself that's not tubular and not fast track. So actually, um, it's gonna be cool. It's gonna be cool to discuss this topic, which. Um, you know, thanks for, uh, thanks to our community for, you know, giving us topics to discuss, especially something like this, which, you know, we're not experts on all lines of the track, but we'll definitely give you our opinion. And, uh, we know enough people, I think to give a good, I would say honest answer about, you know, how we feel about each kind of different styles of track and, 
Um, there's some track that you just throw in the trash can, right, Johnny? You spike it into the trash can. <laughs> yes, you do. And I, I, I know which I know what track you're referring to, and I completely agree. But we'll get to that later. Let's, let's get back on track, right, Matt? Yes, let's go do it. Okay. So what we're going to start off with is we're going to start off with the various brands of track, and then we will go from there. Uh, so let's start. So the brands of track are as follows. We have uh, the good old classic Lionel, now made by Menards, uh, tubular track. And Lionel stopped making the tubular track a number of years ago and has since brought the tooling over to Menards. So they are now producing it. They're also producing it in varying sizes of curve track, which I believe Lionel never did. I think they only did uh, 31, 42, 54, 72, something like that. And then I think uh, Menards has brought it up to the, I think, 96. I think they have something like that. So you get a lot more wide radius curves, which is good for, you know, people who want like a, you know, a tin plate style uh, layout. You can do that. Oh, we have another one from Lionel. Uh, it's actually two more, but we'll go with this one first, which that is going to be Lionel T-Rail Track. And that was made, uh, actually, I told the guys about this before we started tonight, was they were both kind of unsure exactly what that was. So that was made for the very early uh, scale stuff that they made, the uh, original 700E and the B6. Switcher was made for those uh, engines to make them look more realistic. Uh, the rail shape was different, and it also used uh, fish plates, which are little bolts and nuts with this uh, little Allen wrench that you connected the track with. And it looked very good. But Lionel eventually stopped producing that, and it just kind of went on to the sunset. And that track, you know, you might not think track is kind of expensive. I mean, it is, but this track is pretty good for, you know, uh, today's dollars. It's quite expensive uh, when you find it. Next up, we have a Super L track, and this was made in the mid-post-war years. I believe around the 60s when they came with all like the space set and stuff like that, they wanted a nicer, more realistic looking track than the tubular track. And it kind of goes on the heels of what would eventually become the Ross track, that sort of deal. I look at Ross as, you know, a modern super, at least that's how I personally look at it. Then we have K-Line Shadow Rail track. Uh, this is kind of similar to super, uh, very similar style. Then we have MTH. We have the real tracks, or if you've seen the 1998 product video, uh, they originally called it Right Tracks. Uh, same track, just different name. And uh, so that's a little little tidbit in there for you. So us 90s fans, there you go. But uh, that's a good track. Uh, my buddy Richie, uh, he uses it. And it's a very good track system. Uh, nothing wrong with it. And then we have uh, another track system from MTH. And Johnny, here we go. Uh, it's called Scale Tracks from MTH, uh, made famous, of course, by Rich Batista and his Black Diamond Railway series, which, if you haven't seen that, that is a fantastic resource for building a layout and working with Scale Tracks. Uh, if you're interested in using that, that is definitely a video source to check out. Uh, Jason, JD, um, Jason Stucker, J.D. Stucks, he... Uh, He's referenced that video series a number of times, and like I said, it is just a fantastic series. And uh, Johnny, why don't you throw a little two cents in on scale tracks? 
yeah, sure thing. So when I got back into the hobby, uh, maybe like a couple of years ago, I remember watching, reading this like Rail King catalogs that MC used to put out every year. And the back, they'd always include like these track plans. And I remember being a kid and being obsessed with the uh, Main Street layout, 6x10. And it's the exact reason why my layout is actually 6x10 feet because I was uh, planning to build that, that layout. And it was built using scale tracks. So, you know, I, you see in the catalog, you see the fantastic pictures of, of Rich Batista's layout. And, you know, you naturally assume that it's going to be a really nice track. So when I got into having my first job, I, I went out and I bought, I think, a loop of 054 track and a bunch of scrapes from a particular vendor online uh, on, on, on the bay. And um, I got the track and I was super excited. I was going to take all my fast track off and, and basically start from a new. I even bought like cork roadbed and all that. So I, I set it up and I, I put it together, and it was quite literally the biggest waste of two hundred dollars I've ever spent. Um, quite literally, I've spiked it in the trash because it's not to me personally. In my experience, I I didn't really enjoy it. It looks fantastic, one of the best looking track systems personally, but the flaw it has is that it's made of plastic. It's very plasticky outside of the rails and it uses the same technology as the, the real tracks, which has like the copper fingers, which is really nice in real tracks because you got the roadbed, but with scale tracks, it's nothing but just the, the track section. So it's a, a nightmare to get it together. And if you want to take it apart after that, it's just not happening. It, it'll break. The ties will shatter. Fingers will bend and all that stuff. And I've, I, I bet Matt can attest cause I've made him try to put the track together before it, it's, it's not that great. And the thing for me personally that that kind of maybe I just had a really bad batch, which I, I'm gonna assume that's probably what happened. Um, bought a circle of 054. I think it's supposed to be like 15, no, it was like 16 pieces supposedly to make a circle of 054. Uh, they only gave me four, 15 pieces, but it took me 14 pieces to make a circle that didn't quite match up because it was it would overlap. Rather than being too tight, it was just a it was just a whole nightmare. And I I ran it by the hobby shop that I, I bought it from, and they they didn't know what was wrong with it. I, I called into MTH, they didn't know what was wrong with it. So it was just it was just a mess. There's really not any there's no consistency that I, I liked about it. Uh, fantastic track if you have the patience and the know how to get it to work, then then power to you. But to a person like myself who just likes something that's robust out of the box and I can take apart, put together, take apart, put together, and be fine with it to kind of experiment and build my layout. Um, not, not for me. But, hey, if you can make it work, by all means, I'm very envious because it's a beautiful track system. It just doesn't have the reliability that I'm looking for. Oh, yeah. And, I, you know, uh, my grandpa, he's got a big layout that uh, he did with uh, – he originally started with Ross, and then somehow he got talked into uh, – scale tracks after watching rich batista of all people and uh i don't really know all the whole story but uh, uh it is a royal royal pain to work with and i'm just gonna be blunt with this uh it just it is very much a you need to take your time and work with it kind of track once it's together it is beautiful it is a beautiful track system when it's all together uh, you know, ballast and all it looks really nice, but to work with it, cutting it is a royal pain. 
because you know unlike some of these other systems that use like tubular all the way through like ross with the scale track it's it's solid all the way through and cutting it is a nightmare i i know i remember my dad once i think it took him a half an hour to cut a piece of track it, it was crazy but uh you know what can you do you know some are better than others and i think that's kind of the whole point and the reason why there's so many tracks on this list they all do different things and i think that's just something to know is that you know not every brand is for everybody and that's why there's there's choices out there so keeping with the theme we have a couple tracks from atlas uh, speaking of solid rail track we have atlas 21st century track and that one's pretty popular i've seen a lot of people use that one i think that one and then ross ross and gargraves i think are probably the two most you know non-road bedded track uh, that you can find uh, it's just very popular as i said i've seen a lot of people use it and then also from atlas we have a road bedded track and also i shouldn't mention here while we're on the topic is uh the right track slash real tracks from mth that did have a road bed on it and it came with like a gray color uh with the road bed on it so that one uh the atlas o industrial rail track which was basically in their starter sets. They never really did too much with that. I had a little bit of it at one point, but uh, just never did anything with it. Uh, it was very limited curves. I think it was only like 036, I think was the only curves that ever came in. They also, uh, they also pretty much look almost exactly like Fast Track, don't they? Very, very close. The roadbed yeah. is a very similar uh, color. Uh, the track, is, I think, is the same width. Um Interestingly, it's not the same diameter when you put it together. Yeah, it's a lot wider. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was a different size. I don't know, but uh, that was a interesting little track system and very very short lived. But uh, what can you do? Then we have uh, probably of the two, probably the more popular. I, I would say, depending who you ask, uh, the second roadbed track of the day. I'm sorry, third road bed track of the day, I can talk, um, is the Lionel Fast Track. And that's one that all three of us have had a uh, great experience with. Uh, maybe in air quotes, I don't know. We're going to find out later on. But uh, that's a track system that is very, very popular with the road bedded community. If you just want to throw a track up and go, uh, the real tracks or the fast track is definitely the way to go. It, you know, you can throw track together, you know, use it for a bit, change your mind, whatever. That's Those two are probably the easiest of the bunch to uh, do stuff like that with. When you're planning, it's honestly probably not a bad idea to maybe look into a track like that and then maybe graduate as your tastes and maybe budget allow for you to do that. Then lastly, we have two that are interconnected to each other and are used very much uh, in the same fashion we have ross custom switches and gargraves and they're both the same style track uh ross uses a little bit different connection than gargraves does ross uses actual spikes on their track a little bit different radii between the two but by and large they're mostly the same and they're used very much interchangeably with each other you i've mainly seen People do Gargrave's sectional track and the Ross switches. Uh, I've seen the other way too, you know, Ross, all Ross or, you know, Ross track with Gargrave switches or all Gargrave's. There's, there's plenty of ways to do it. That's two brands that are 
basically you could you could pick either one and they'll work just fine but that is a very much a hobbyist track i actually just bought a dremel last week the first dremel i ever i've ever owned was i needed it to cut track and i've never had to cut track before until i had ross and that's just the way they do it their tracks are interesting uh lengths uh 37 inch straights and you know little filler pieces that are like you know 6.2 inches 12.4 inches very weird uh size but it, it is a hobbyist track and there's also more involved than that and we will get into that in a little bit okay so now that we got the various brands of track out of the way and the kind of little bit of synopsis on that we will go to our own personal opinions on uh, the tracks we've used, not all these, because like I said, not all of us have used every single brand on this list. But, uh, we, you know, we have our few that that are uh, are used between the three of us, and we will all get into that. So, Matt R., you want to take the reins here, buddy? Sure. All right. So, I'll uh, let's all jump in the Wayback Machine, and um, I'll kind of give you my first experience uh, really quickly with... Um, you know, good old tubular track from Lionel. So back when I first actually saw Lionel track, so this would have been probably at my uncle's house or my cousin's house in probably the early 80s. Um, you know, I was single digits. I don't know, maybe it was like eight, maybe, or nine. And uh, I remember going downstairs in the basement and I was like looking at this stuff and I'm like, like, what is this? Is this like from an erector set or something? Like, what the heck is this stuff? And he's like, no, that's Lionel track. I'm like, yeah, it's tubular track. I'm like, oh, wow, this is cool. And uh, so that was my first experience with tubular track. And then when I got back into, so, you know, I was into HO for a time and, you know, I on and off with, with moderate roading. And when I got kind of more heavily back into it, I bought some of the Lionel starter sets and those came with uh tubular track and uh, it's like the big rugged sets. And I first, I built my first kind of off the ground table layout with all tubular track. And to be honest, you know, it, it's, it's very tried and true. Um, I didn't really ever have any problems with it. Um, I had some switches too. Um, it doesn't surprise me that people still have tubular track today uh, it was easy to use. It was easy to connect. Um, it has some very sharp corners on it. <laughs> so uh, th- there's, I don't want to call that a negative, but you got to be careful with it. Sometimes you can get, uh, uh, you know, you can get some nasty little uh, slices uh, on your fingers uh, by handling it wrong. Uh, but other than that, um, you know, I've always had good experience, uh, good experiences with tubular track. Um, the only, you know, counter or you know my particular opinion on tubular track is that you know it's not the best looking track like even if you you know put it on some road bed and make some ballast around it it's serviceable but if you're trying to like make any kind of like realistic layout it's probably not the best choice unless you're like some kind of like master you know track layer and do all this extra details to it so uh, and then, of course, uh, after, you know, I, I started getting more into uh, model railroading again, you know, I took a break for a while and came back. And then, of course, you know, I was able to uh, use fast track at that point. You know, that was starting to come into sets. I don't remember 
what year they cut off tubular and just started adding fast track. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I liked it. It was easy to use. And, and of course today, like, you know, my large table top layout is all fast track. And, uh, I think it looks really nice. It's, you know, it's, it is easy to detail. Uh, if you, you can add some ballast on the side, you can, you can do some painting on it. If you want, you can color the rails, um, you can make it look very, very nice. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'll kudos to one of our hosts here, you know, Johnny, who, uh, you know, kind of went ham on his fast track and it looks very, very nice. So he, that's a good example of, you know, the extreme you can go to with fast track to make it like very, very, uh, you know, nice looking and kind of like, you know, very detailed uh, on your layout. So, you know, kudos to you, Johnny. Thanks. Uh, um, I didn't go as far as that. Uh, you know, I did a little ballasting work on the side. Uh, but as far as like use, you know, I, nothing but good things to say about Fast Track. Uh, you know, it's it's very plentiful. You can pretty much find it at any hobby stop. Any big O scale hobby shop is going to have Fast Track. Um, they offer all kinds of of sizes, uh, small small pieces, you know, to make those really kind of tight fits. Um, you know, as far as like, you know, reliability wise, you know, I've had to replace Fast Track over time, right? I mean, that's just it. No piece of track is going to be absolutely perfect, uh, and there there's wear and tear, right? You're you're constantly running engines and rolling stock over these pieces of track. Um, and some of them are going to just, uh, get a short or 10 to go and it's fine. And I probably only had to replace a small handful of fast track, uh, over the last 10 years that I've been using it. So I've been very, very happy with it. Um, I just did another extension to my layout, uh, and, um, I did all fast track. Oh, 72 switches and curves and yeah, everything works like it should have been very, very happy with fast track. So um, I, I think one of the benefits to fast track and, and why it, you know, really became a strong contender is there are a lot of, a lot of folks out there when you have like roadbed integrated into your track, like fast track, you know, there are a lot of folks out there with like carpet layouts and, and other kind of layouts where things can kind of get at the, underneath your track or you know when you're talking about carpet like you know carpet can kind of get tangled up right and that can get tangled up in your gearing and everything else so needless to say fast track kind of has like a built-in kind of protection uh for underneath their track so it provides uh some an extra layer protection for your kind of raised track so you don't get carpet and other things that could collect underneath the track, you know, especially if you have, like I said, a layout on the floor, on the carpet, maybe in the garage. So it it, it definitely has a lot of strengths there. And then recently I decided to upgrade my subway kind of elevated track. And I was using fast track, obviously, for the longest time. And uh, I had some recommendations come my way. And uh, it was recommended that, hey, check out Gargraves. They have, uh, you know, really nice flex track. And uh, I, you know, was able to check it out. And I bought some 
and now I've actually taken down all of my elevated fast track and I replaced it with Gargraves. And I've been uh, very happy with it. Now I'm, it's not hundred percent finished. Uh, I still have to kind of mount it on the, you know, the, the raised uh, platforms that it has to sit on uh, and I have to stabilize it. Uh, but other than that, um, it looks fantastic. Uh, you know, and there's always that kind of running joke of like elevated fast track, right? Like, so, you know, well, what is, what is that, what is that gravel doing up, you know, levitating in midair? So, you know, we've all, we've all been there before. Uh, but, uh, yeah, thanks to, uh, uh, Johnny himself, he had recommended Gargraves to me. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'll, uh, it's been a good experience with it. I didn't have to cut it. Uh, like Matt Z, uh, I was going to actually cut it, but then I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to use this as an excuse just to extend the elevated subway track even farther out. So uh, it all worked out in the end. So and hopefully, uh, and then over the next couple of weeks, I'll have some photos to post and some running videos. But uh, yeah, as far as Gargraves goes, uh, been very, very happy with, happy with that as well. They kind of connect, uh, you know, kind of like fast track there's pins on one side of the track so they kind of fit a little bit like fast track except on gargraves it's just pins at one end and they kind of stick together now they don't hold as strong as fast track does fast track kind of locks into place uh, where the gargraves uh, are pin longer pins so there can be a little bit of movement there but i mean if you're secure if you're using gargraves you're probably securing your track down uh, on uh, your table anyway so that shouldn't really be an issue so yeah there's kind of my experiences basically uh you know tubular uh line off ass track and uh gargraves and i've been very happy uh using all three and hopefully one day when i do get into a uh a bigger basement where i have a bigger layout uh, i'll definitely uh you know, weigh the pros and cons. And even today I might, uh, depending on what the other guys say about their track experiences, I, you know, I may go the way of Atlas. I may go the way of Ross. So, uh, who knows, but, uh, uh, gentlemen, I will pass it back to you. Cool. That's uh that's a pretty good story. You know, that, uh, it's kind of cool to hear, you know, like what you kind of been doing with, uh, you know, track and, I mean, obviously model river in general, but we, you know, we've covered that in previous episodes, but uh, if you want to listen to that you can by all means go ahead. But, uh, you know, with, you know, you'll hear my opinions later, but I think what you're doing is really cool with, uh, and I wasn't going to actually ask you that, uh, you know, if maybe if you could do it all over again, you know, what would you pick? Uh, Matt, you can answer that <laughs> one. Johnny, after he gets done, he can answer that too. Uh, yeah. That's what do you think. That's actually a really great question. I think if I knew now what I knew then, I definitely probably would have went the route of Gargraves or Atlas and then did the roadbed myself. Um, you know, when I first kind of stepped into doing a model railroad layout, um, I was very, very new, right? Even to like, you know, running power and, you know, all of the stuff that, you know, you have to learn when you start kind of laying down track. And I chose fast track because it was better for a beginner or a starter to learn and easier to kind of like fit together. 
and it's, you know, it's kind of an all in one package, right? Like the roadbed's there, you plug, you, you plug it in, you know, there's Lionel accessories that I'll plug right in a fast track. So it's, you know, there's an ease of use, you know, there when compared to the other ones. But, you know, when you look visually, you know, at Atlas and Ross and Gargraves, they're just like, just so phenomenally awesome looking, right? You know, you look at, you know, those kinds of track and you're like kind of blown away, especially if they're like detailed very well and have some nice ballasting around them. I mean, they're almost indistinguishable from, you know, the track that you see, you know, when you look out your window or, you know, walk down the street uh, onto, you know, the real tracks and you're like, wow, that looks great. Like, uh, you know, one day maybe I'll have something like that. So yeah, I probably would have started with a more experienced looking or more detailed looking track, but I'm not sorry that I didn't like, I think having the ability to have fast track available and to kind of get your, you know, get your feet wet a little bit with some easier to use track was definitely beneficial. Okay. So uh, now that we got uh, Matt's opinion out of the way and, you know, his observations and all that, which are fantastic. And I, I just want to hit on one thing real quick uh, with the fast track and cause we'll go to Mr. Fast track over here next. And, um, you know, when you detail it and you paint it and you weather it and you ballast it, you can make it look like a completely different track. And I think that's the case in point with Johnny. You know, I've often said when you take the pictures, it's like, I can't believe you actually are using fast track. It looks like a completely different track. So uh, Johnny, go ahead. No, thanks, Matt. Um, I guess I'll, 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 mirror what Matt R did uh, and just kind of start from from the top and, and go on from there. Uh, I definitely had my experiences with Lionel Tubular Track when I first started. Uh, definitely not my default track system. Uh, my first track system actually was uh, MTH Real Tracks. Uh, really, really nice track system. Very robust, uh, very durable, really nostalgic to me uh, with that gray road bed. And plus it's different from uh, Tubular and uh, Fast Track because it's actually T-Rail. Uh, it's got a flat rail, and for those who don't know what a T rail, it's the if you take a cross section of the actual railhead, it forms a T section. So, like, so it's a flat rail on the top, and real tracks had that, um, and so did scale tracks as well. But going back to that, I had real tracks, and when I expanded the hobby, I think my father went and bought tubular track. So we we had tubular track in conjunction with our real tracks in conjunction with our fast track, which was, oh my God. So it was like transition track into transition track into transition track. It was such a hodgepodge of just trying to make the layout a little bit longer and longer and longer, but all really nice track. The tubular track, the only problem I really had with it is being a, a child and not knowing any better. I got those pins jammed way too far into the, into the railhead. And uh, I, I forgot it was never to pull those pins back out because they're just too jammed, like too far into the track. But tubular is nice. It's really straightforward. Um, it does require a little bit of maintenance to kind of get those pins to fit and uh, do all those stuff. But for the most part, it's pretty bulletproof. I mean, you stick stick the track in the next piece of track and you go. Um, and Lionel did offer tubular track for quite a long time, uh, even when Fast Track was around. And only recently did they just continue making tubular and. Um, after that, Menards picked up, uh, picked up on it to keep that line going. And you can get tubular track if you're Midwestern, or you just go to your local Menards and buy tubular track, and for a great price too. So 
love tubular track. Uh, I'm definitely with Matt R on the fact that it's, it's a little bit more classic, more nostalgic a little bit for that. But I mean, if you just want some track to throw trains on and run, it's, it's perfectly good track for that, especially if you're a, a classic collector. Um, I didn't really have any experience with T-Rail, Super O. Uh, I did get to see some K-Line track. Um, actually, it's at a restaurant, funny enough, of all places, that I took Matt R to. Um, two Toots down here in uh, Glen Ellen, Illinois. Uh, the Two Toots uh, franchise, which is a, a railroad-themed restaurant where they deliver your food to you on O-scale uh, or O-gauge trains with uh, flat cars with baskets on them, and they deliver your food that way. And they tend to use... Uh, k-line track a lot but really aside from that i don't really think i've seen it uh in use anywhere else than there um and of course like i said i when i returned to the hobby i i used scale tracks which had disastrous results and i was so turned off by the entire experience that i banished my track under my layout or, or gave it away to somebody else to sell on my behalf for like five bucks um for the whole thing and I moved over to fast track again because that's what I had. And the mentality was like, well, I already got this track system, so let's just 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 run with it. And I I love fast track. It's a great track system. It's extremely readily available. Most hobby shops will carry it for you and you can get them pretty pretty easily. Um I as the guys have mentioned before, I do work on my skill on my uh fast track to make it look nicer. Uh, it looks fantastic out of the box. I love how the ties are really small. It looks great. Um, but it does need a little bit of help if you want to go for more like a realistic look. I paint my fast track rails with one of those Woodland Scenics paint pens. I use particularly the Rusty Rail paint pen. Probably not the best color, but it was what was available. And I ended up painting my entire layout with that. Um, and I actually paint the middle rail too because, I mean, you're, you're on three rail. Rails there. Might as well highlight it, you know. Well, that's just me. Um, I also ballast my track as well. Uh, and I don't just do the edge of the fa- of the, the roadbed. I go from the side of the table, like where it meets the table, all the way up to actually the top of the roadbed on the outer portion. So I actually would put ballast in between each individual tie on the outer portion. Not the inner part of the rail, the outer portion. And there were many long nights of me just sitting at my workbench. Um, first, getting the Elmer's glue spread on the individual piece of track with a Q-tip and making sure I didn't get any glue on the individual ties. Pouring the ballast on that track by hand and then shaking off any access and taking like the back of a spoon like by the handle and just pushing the ballast off each section of rail. And it it took a long time. It, it took me maybe like a couple, and I've got like a 6x10 layout with two loops and some switches. It took me a long time to, to get it all done. But it was worth it. That switches were like, oh, you did one switch a night project, hence why, um, hence why uh, one of our previous guests, uh, one of our previous guests teased me for it. Doing doing switches was definitely a challenge. You, I'd only do like one switch a night, because I'm, I'm doing this all by hand. Um, and I, I know, uh, our, uh, our, our previous guest, uh, Mike Reagan made fun of me for it, but it, it takes a lot of time if you ballast fast track by hand and you do the process I do where you're trying to get the ballast perfectly in between every single tie. But the, the look is amazing. If you can, if you have the patience for it. Um, another thing that I, I love about fast track is that, um, it's not really discussed that much, but with the switches, 
uh, a lot of switches you buy from some manufacturers, they have pre-wired switches or with motors, or you had to buy motors separately and, and add them in yourself. Um, different switch machines and all that other such, uh, which is fantastic. But for me, I don't have the wiring capability or know-how or patience miraculously to do something like that. I like something I can just buy out of the box and just slap and let it get going. Um, so Fast Track's great for that, especially with the newer Fast Track switches that are command control. If you have a, a legacy base or a TMCC base or what have you, you can just, for, or legacy specifically, you can just press and hold a little button on the side, program that number into your switch, uh, into your remote, and you can remotely control the switch. No wires needed. Uh, you can just plug it in and ready to go. And those those switches are, are idiot-proof. And I'm, God dang it, I'm an idiot, and I proved that it works. I was going to add that to uh, Matt. Go ahead. Yeah, really quick, uh, just to, so we don't get off topic on this on the switch, but um, what's really nice too, because uh, I'm glad you you brought that up, Johnny, is the uh, the anti uh, derailment feature in there. So you know, if you got a uh, you know a piece of rolling stock or an engine coming from the opposite way, and and the switch is thrown in the wrong direction. Uh, it'll automatically uh, throw itself to the right position so your track does not, uh, you know, fly off the rails. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I definitely had my my fair share of cases where the auto uh, the, the the auto switch definitely helped me because I would switch a train from the inner loop to the outer loop and then it would go around again and I forget the switch is set against it and it would automatically take care of it for me. It, it's it's definitely a, it helps to to catch any oopsies in your layout. Um, but yeah, I, I love the, the fast track system. It, it's very, it's very rugged. It's very durable. And one of the things that I do with my stuff that kind of stands out to what most folks do is fast track, um, actually bank my curves, which some folks might sound insane. Cause that's something you'd see mostly for Gargraves, Ross, Atlas, and all that other stuff. But, uh, I, I bank my curves, which yeah, I use O60, but it, it still looks fantastic. And if you want to see examples of that, you can check out my YouTube or you can check out my Instagram for that. Um, but the way I banked my curves was, um, using the Midwest cork, I, I the O skill cork, I split in half and use the, and line the outer edge of my curve with Midwest cork roadbed. And then I shimmed the other side with bits of cardboard at each joint. So where they're, cause it's fast track sectional, wherever each joint on the fast track would meet, I'd put a piece of cardboard there. That way the track doesn't necessarily flex. And, um, you know, it's a lot of experimentation of playing around and getting the right heights and such, uh, with different bits of cardboard and shimming and stuff like that. But the, the results are amazing. I, I love watching a pasture train zoom by at high speed at, on a bank curve. It just looks fantastic. It adds that level of realism that you, you don't usually see in O scale with stuff like that. Many, not many folks bank their, uh, their curves and even more so, uh, you rarely see people do it with fast track, but. I remember being very inspired by uh, JD Stux's layout and seeing my buddy Sean. He he was actually the first person I saw here in the Chicago group, uh, or the Chicago group here that has banked their curve. So, um, a lot of lot of big inspiration to those guys. But yeah, I I really enjoy Fast Track. I, I really can't recommend it enough. It's been um, awesome for me. And you know, like Matt said, I've I had to replace a bit here and there. But that's that's the nice part about Fast Track. It's it's sectional. It's not like you're cutting out a whole area flex track or something like that. You're, oh, oh, my 10 inch straight isn't working properly. Okay, just go to the hobby shop, buy a 10 inch straight, swap it, boom, you're done. Um, it's very, very beginner friendly. But, uh, and then kind of moving on to the the other side of things is 
tracks systems I've seen other people have, but I, I'd love to give a shot in the future. Uh, Atlas and, and Gargraves and Ross. Uh, Atlas track, I actually just came back from a trip to uh, my buddy Isaac's house, uh, Scale Every Day on our Discord. Uh, he has invited me, he invited me and Jason to go over there. Uh, Jason had to go visit him, and he is exclusively Atlas. And that track system is fantastic. It looks great. It works fantastic. And I, I really would love to have uh, Atlas on my future layout. I remember growing up watching TM's promotional video they did for Atlas's uh, track system. It's on a VHS that dates me by any uh, by dates how old uh, that that video was. Um, I bet you Matt Z also watched it at some point, knowing him being the big TM nut that he is. But I have was, not. You have not. I have. I haven't watched. I've watched the '98 on VHS though. I've watched that on VHS. I had the. T- I remember when I wore out that tape. I remember the day I did that. You don't wear tape. I didn't know you could do that. I wore out the tape in the in the '98 product video VHS. I, I wore out the tape, but uh, no, I have not seen that. Actually, I didn't even know it existed until the last couple of days. I think you were mentioning on a Discord call, and I'm like, man, I I, I gotta go watch that. Yeah, it was. Do you remember that? Because uh, TM in their videos had this tra- this layout that was built exclusively out of Atlas 21st Century track. It was like two or three big loops, and then there was that figure eight in the middle. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah, 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 with the, with the, where they did like the Streamline Steam segment. Exactly. That, that yeah, was a okay. video yeah, they used. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, yeah. a promo layout, I think. I could be wrong. Our listeners can correct me. But they used that layout to promote the track system. And they kind of just retained it later on, I think. I don't know. I, I'm, just, I'm just guessing. I think uh, Thomas, Visionary Locomotive Works, if you're listening to this, uh, you'll be able to uh, fill fill in the gaps. Yeah. Uh, he, he's he's a big TM 90s guy like us. So, uh, mm-hmm. But uh, anyways. Yeah. yeah, no, it was a big inspiration for wanting to get Atlas track. And uh, as much as I love it, uh, Atlas, from what I've been told from folks who do use Atlas on their layouts, um, Isaac being one of them, it's very hard to get your hands on Atlas. There's a little bit of a shortage with Atlas track uh, in the past couple of years. Um, and then when you do buy it, it's very expensive. Uh, it's very pricey I've track, heard that but too. yeah. So I would love to get into it, but I think it's kind of thing where you kind of got to start preemptively collecting it before your next layout. Um, but yeah, it's fantastic. It looks great, and I I, I know folks have been using it. I mean, I'm, Eric Siegel is a big example. He's been using Atlas Track on his lab for a very long time, and uh, bless him, Jason Stucker. He's been weathering his. He spent the past couple oh. weeks weathering his, and it looks fantastic. Just the just the tape alone he used on that was crazy. Oh my gosh, you could cover. He must have used of... probably rolls of painters tape to do all. I think that. He had like two or three rolls. I think he said he used. But That's crazy. Yeah, it, it's it's good track. Um, I, I kind of prefer it over Gargraves. Personally, I like the, the tie spacing on Atlas better. It reminds me more of like scale tracks and, and fast track because I like the smaller ties. I don't really like larger ties on my, my layout. Um, not saying that it's, it looks bad. It looks really good if you can you can see it properly. But if I'm given the choice, you know, I'd rather go with Atlas over like Gargraves, um, if, at least for, for the main track pieces, for, for switches, you know, Ross switches and, and stuff like that. Definitely the way to go. But uh, yeah, really, uh, really cool track systems. It, it, there's a bunch of stuff for everybody out there. And um, while I'm a diehard fast track supporter, uh, you can definitely uh, get your money's worth out of different track systems. And 
depending on your needs, you can either get stuff with roadbed like Fastrick and Real Tracks, or get stuff like Atlas or Gargrips. So there's plenty out there for everyone. For sure, that's a that's a pretty cool story. Uh, all right, I'm gonna ask you the same question. Knowing what you know now, would you do anything different? Not buy scale tracks. That's the first thing I would do. That's a given. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, um, I'll probably Atlas. I, I'd, I'd probably start with Atlas if I, if I could redo it all over again. Um, I think the biggest thing, don't use 060 switches past me. What were you thinking? Why didn't you just use 072? Oh, I got a, I got a worse story for that. Wait till you hear me. (laughs) But you know, I would, I would definitely do Atlas with, um, with raw switches. Yeah, for sure. Uh, th- there's no no question about that. All right. So uh, real quick before we uh, go on to yours truly's uh, opinions and history and story and, you know, the whole nine, uh, I figured that uh, a good idea to talk about what we're talking about track is talk about curves and more specifically curve radius or radii, however, what the, what, however you choose to say it as. Uh, and for that, we're going to throw it over to uh, Matt R. So Matt, why don't you go ahead and talk about that? Yeah. Well, thanks, Matt. Yeah, so really quickly, um, you know, we figured that if we're going to talk about track, maybe we should just have a little small segment here to talk about like radius, what that means. And, you know, if you're building, uh, you know, a layout and you want to install curves, like what is probably the recommended curve? So I'm kind of known as the uh, expert uh, at pushing the limitations of my engines around curves. Uh, What I'm talking about is that. Curves for any kind of track system that you buy will come in a specific radius, right? And what that means is what is the actual curve itself uh, of the track? If you go back to like to the old days of like tubular track, you know, you're looking at like 031, 042, stuff like that. And they tended to get bigger over time, obviously, because, well, if you have a bigger engine, especially if you're running a big scale steam engine, uh, it is not going to go through 031. It is does not going to like that whatsoever. Uh, the answer to this is, well, bigger radius curves. And unfortunately, that also means that the, you know, the table that you build or the, the you know, the maximum length of your trek plan has to be much bigger to compensate for those curves when i started my fast track layout you know my widest curve was 048 and my inner loop was 036 and look i thought that was big and you know i I definitely got away with some stuff that i probably should have never got away with when it comes to running trains if i knew now what i knew then i would definitely go at least 054 slash 060 there's no 054 in fast track uh, 054 is tubular and then um there's 060 in fast track i went from 036 048 loops to double 060 loops and it was probably the best thing that i ever did on my layout like hands down best upgrade i ever did because it not only allows you to run different types of you know engines meaning bigger engines but your stuff just runs so much more smoothly through your layout. And uh, I definitely, uh, again, I, I definitely, I definitely try to squeeze as much as I can through 060. Um, 
you know, I have the MTH restoration big boy and uh, believe it or not, it does go through 060. Um, it, it does it with a, uh, with a bit of a, with a bit of a grin, uh, but it, uh, it does actually make it through and it, it, it doesn't really cause me too many problems. Um, you know, I, I would run something through the track if I felt like it was causing some kind of mechanical issue, uh, or like, you know, tearing wires out or anything like that. But, uh, yeah. So when it comes to radius, um, you know, you know, like we said is before you start, you're building a layout, get a track plan, use a piece of software, get a notepad out, get a pen out, uh, decide how big you're going to want it. So uh, when it comes to fast track, when we say 048 curves, that means your layout's going to have to at least be four feet in length. Now, when I say... Wider than that. Yeah, well, when I say that minimum, that's like where it would barely... I think that's almost like an end to end where is, is that the middle? Is that the middle rail too? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's middle, middle rail to middle yeah. rail. You, yeah. uh, when you're doing 48, you, uh, 52, I measure, right? Me, yeah. I measured it once. It's, uh, uh, the track from end to end is four inches wider. So if you have like 36, it's a uh, 40 inches. Yeah. So yeah, you're at 52. Yeah. Yeah. So I would, you definitely want to add on an extra, you know, four inches if you can, but believe it or not, you're probably better off adding on a little bit more than that because the better buffer room you give your trains, especially when you're dealing with like an outside lip, uh, the better off you're going to be, uh, you know, in the end. So that means if you want to install 072, you're going to probably want an 80 foot, you know, 80 foot. Yeah, you want an 80 feet. Uh, you're probably going to want foot, yeah. Yeah, 80, <laughs> 80 inches across uh, to get because number one, keep in mind that if you're putting an 072 curves, well, you might want a second 072 loop, and you're not going to get away with that if you're just going to go, you know, hit the minimum requirement for length. So you're gonna you're gonna want at least like 80 to 84 inches across to put two 072 loops in. And you know, obviously, if you ask anybody, they're going to tell you go 072. And honest, that's probably a good valid answer. You can get away with 060 for sure. Um, if you want to be 100% certain, just go 072 or bigger, depending on how much room you got. Uh, I went 060. I'm very happy with 060. Um, I had thought about 072 and I probably could have done it. But my problem is, and probably a lot of people run into the same problem, is the wider you make your layout, the less reach you have to the center of the layout to do any maintenance work install buildings maybe if a track if a engine comes off the track you need to get on there and fix it well i'm not getting up on top of my layout ever so that's not happening for me uh so i have to be very careful and i have to have enough room for myself to on both sides of the layout to be able to reach over and put something uh, back on the track so uh i think you know, at the end of the day, I think if you're if you're going to be a semi-scale person, I don't think you need any more than 048, to be honest with you. Um, anything in semi-scale is going to run and look perfectly fine on 048. Uh, if you do plan on going into the scale world, well, again, 072 is probably where you want to be 
if you can't just inch out those uh, extra few feet for 072, then I think 060, again, uh, would be perfectly fine for you. And, and, and Johnny can attest for that, too, because Johnny also has 060 curves. Yeah, I'm definitely with you there, Matt. If you're if you're going to move over to um, building a layout or expanding a layout, uh, if you really can't do 0, 072, 060 has been tried and true for me. Um, you can run quite a lot with 060. There's very little that I haven't been able to run 060. I think, Matt, you and I have only encountered like one set that won't do 060. Um, but yeah, no, I've got, I have articulated in my layout. I've ran, um, I've ran, what, what have we run in my layout? We've run the AC9 on the layout. We've run the MT Restoration Big Boy on the layout. Heck, I run my Restoration Big Boy on my inner loop on my layout. Uh, even with that humongous overhang in 060, it still works fine. Um, we run, we ran the MT Premier Challenger on my layout, the, uh, the Legacy Class A that I had in my latest video. That runs fine in 060 on both loops. Uh, you can get a lot, get away with quite a lot, uh, and if you're, it, it helps a lot too. Um, the nice thing about 060, it's a nice sweet spot in between. To me, what I thought were the two curve radiuses, like the big ones, were 054 and 072. Uh, it's right in that nice sweet spot. Engines like Berkshires and Northerns are gonna run perfectly fine in 060, and they're gonna have that little extra leniency than than you would get over 054. And and with but it's not quite 072, so it doesn't take up nearly as much space. So definitely worth getting. And also, you know, you can might be able to get it for a little bit of a better price too. 072 is a radiant that that is very much in high demand all the time. With 060, you you might be able to get it for cheap because not many people are looking for 060. Uh, I remember I got my 060s uh, track from trains back in the day uh, for an absolute steal, a whole whole box of it for under 100 bucks. So definitely a little bit of price saving you can get there too. But yeah, if you, if you can push your curve limits to, you know, to be a little bit wider, it's definitely worth it. You'll have a much more enjoyable running experience, and it really broadens your horizons to what you can buy. I mean, when I met Matt R, he was Mr. Only Diesels. Uh, I don't mm -hmm. think you had many steam engines. If then, they were like Atlantics or, or smaller. Yep. And now look at you now with big boys, challengers or challengers in past. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely with you on that one. Definitely uh, go for 060 if you can. You'll uh, you'll thank yourself later. Or 72, of course, do 072 if you can fit it. But if, you, if you're, if you you know, restricted on space, like I've got a six-foot-wide table, you know, I, I did 060 double loops, and it works fine for me. Yeah, and uh, the funny thing is the engine that wouldn't, uh, the said engine that wouldn't go around uh, is actually not even a steam engine. It was the, uh, it is my uh, uh, Pioneer Zephyr, my Lionel Pioneer Zephyr TMCC, the diecast one, which unfortunately um, where the trucks are, there's that lip that kind of comes over it uh, from the shell and it won't turn the axle far enough to, uh, you know, smoothly go through an 060 curve. Uh, it definitely screams for 072. So, Kind of funny that it was ended up being a uh, one of the uh, greatest diesel engines, uh, you know, to ever uh, streamline diesel engines uh, that there ever was, and um, it, it hates me. So. 
<laughs> you you were so excited. You got rid of your your MTH one, and yeah. uh, you were ready for the Line O one, and you just yeah. couldn't run it. Yep, but the MTH one does work because it has different. Uh, it, it, the skirts on the truck are, are part of the truck and not part of the shell, so uh, they will let you go through a sixty. There you go. I think another thing to remember too is with some of these engines, uh, steam wise. It's not usually the engine that won't do the turn. It's usually the tender. Good point. The, cent- the centipede tenders are ones that'll get caught depending on how a manufacturer handles them. For example, um, there are certain engines where I think I think the FEF is one. Don't quote me on that. The Lionel FEF will do a radius of 054. The MTH FEF or other, F- or other UP uh, engines with centipede tenders all the wheels are flanged opposed to the blind wheels on the Lionel ones. So Lionel centipede tender technically will do a smaller radius than an MTH one. It's, it's stuff like that. Or like a New York central engine. So how about issue? So it's definitely something you want to keep my keep in mind. If you are going to be testing the limits of a tighter curve radius, but that's just my own personal experience. Yep. That's a, that's a really good point, Johnny. Well, I think that's uh I think that's all I've got to say on on curves, uh, unless uh, Matt R or Matt Z, you guys want to throw something in there before we pass the mic over to Matt Z for his section here. Uh, no, I don't. I don't have anything. And and obviously, uh, if you do have a question uh, about curves or you're starting out, you need some help. Um, you know, uh, shameless plug here. Uh, join the Matt Matt Discord server, and uh, we got plenty of guys in there. From guys who use 031 to guys that use bigger than 072. And uh, everyone's, you know, really, really helpful when it comes to folks starting out and reaching out and need help. So, uh, again, uh, please feel free to, uh, you know, go on the Discord server, ask uh, ask that question about track, and there'll be more than enough people to, to help you out and point you in the right direction for sure. Absolutely. I think that, uh, that's, that's a good way to go. And, you know, I'm thinking on this is, you know, and I'll talk, talk about this in a second, but you know, it's like when you're doing a layout, you know, always like, like you guys said, try, try to do the biggest you can because you'll thank yourself later. And, you know, if you truly can't fit it, then, you know, do the next best you can. And that's kind of what you did, Matt is you know you couldn't you, you kind of could swing 72 but decided it wasn't a good idea and you went with 60 and that's hey what can you do it's good enough for anybody so that's what you got but uh with me uh i started out you know uh, actually my my dad uh, uh i i said this in my um when we interviewed when johnny interviewed us was uh uh my first experience with doing this was uh my dad um uh, he had uh MTH real track. Uh, he had a multi-level layout, I believe, 042 and 031. He had the Hellgate Bridge. I, mem- I remember that. This was very early. I was probably two at the time. So very, very early. Um, but uh, he had that. Uh, moved in with my parents, or the, with uh, my grandparents. And uh, they started the big layout that I have featured on my YouTube channel called the KTMR. And that, uh, the, I don't, I don't get to their place as near as much as i used to but uh they're working on a big rebuild with their layout like i said they transitioned from ross to scale tracks and now uh, my grandpa and i the uh, soul 2 are looking 
to go back to Ross the way that he originally wanted it. And it was kind of his doing that, uh, you know, him and I talking about it late night, you know, playing cards, you know, being the people that we are, right, Johnny? Um, doing that, uh, you know, talking, what do I think about, you know, me maybe moving into uh, Ross. So that's exactly what I did. But uh, before we get there, we talk about Fast Track. So on my own layout, uh, I have Fast Track on it. And I really like it. About my only complaint I have with it thus far is the noise that it gives off. It is a very loud track system. Uh, when you're running trains without any kind of sound uh, detonation, it is a very loud track. And that's due to the roadbed being hollow all the way through. I mean, not even real tracks gives, gives off the noise that... Uh, fast track does it is a very loud track that's my sole criticism of it um, but i started off with uh 036 and actually i did 036 with a 10 inch straight in between and uh that that had some very fun things with that uh, a little bit of bend and stuff in there to make it work on my now oh, what is four foot board at the time right now and i'm slowly working on expanding it over to six feet but then i uh, was on the forum and I happened to find a post about uh, doing 044 and a half, which it was the closest you can get to 48 on a uh, four foot board. So I followed the guy's steps, and it's basically 048 on each end. And then in the middle, you have 036 uh, half curves, quarter curves, and then a couple 048s in there. And it uh, works good. You know, I've I got some bigger steamers I've been running, Northerns and Burks and stuff like that no articulated yet I, I don't have any yet i'm working on that but um uh everything seems to work good the you know the s3 was my first big one and i'm thinking well this is going to be my test one it's you know it's this or i don't run it and uh i went ahead and did it and it does it fine uh it, it does kind of um skip in a couple spots uh but uh, it does work and i'm happy with it so that's what we got but uh, no, now I've been uh, working on Ross and Gargraves. Uh, actually, my buddy Lance uh, hooked me up with some 072 curves back in, I believe it was September of last year. And uh, I've just finally got to uh, get some temporary wood going so I can actually use them. Uh, it's not quite a full loop yet. It's about half a loop. But uh, I'm slowly getting there. Just got to do a couple of structural things to finish it up. But uh it does work. I, I got a set of centipedes uh, a couple of months ago from our uh, friend Bernsey. I did a trade with him on that, and I've been using that as kind of my test engine to uh, test curves, test clearances, and it uh, works pretty well. I'm very, very happy with it, and I think this will be a lot of fun once I uh, go ahead and do it. Uh, part of me was thinking to tear this whole thing down and start over and go to eight feet wide just to be that guy to have 80 inch curves on the outside. But, you know, I thought about it and I expanded in the back enough to do 72 and I, uh, I have successfully done that and I think it'll work out good. Um, my only reason to go beyond 072 and this is my personal feeling on this is really the further you go beyond 072 is just for looks and obviously when you're dealing with you know articulated steamers and that sort of deal you know the wider you go the nicer they'll look i mean you you put a big boy on a 100 inch curve i mean 
it'll look really, really good as opposed to an 072 or 60-inch curve, whatever the case may be. But uh, it looks, the further you go up, the better they look. But as far as running-wise, 72 is good enough for anything in this hobby. Uh, I think maybe the only exception is maybe the Jean Henry from uh, No Fucking Western, but that that's a one-off uh, engine. But um, anyway, that's that's what I got so far. Uh, not really too much. It's going to be an 072 and 063 uh, for the inner loop. And that'll be good enough. I'll have switches to connect them all, a little yard and passing siding and stuff like that. But uh, basically my layout now just with uh, uh, Ross and Gargraves. And like I said, they're compatible with each other. So I got a couple Ross switches with uh, DZ1000 switch machines going into Gargraves track. And uh, I can't use the uh, switches yet because I, I have two that are not the same style. So I need to uh, get on that. But um Eventually, I'll be able to have a couple loops and some trains running and a Class A to run them on. Right, Johnny? I don't own any non-West Coast engine. I don't know what you're talking about. No, I uh, I don't know either. But I can run that in the centipede next to each other. So uh, that'll be a lot of fun. But that's a little bit down the road uh, for right now. But uh, that's what we got. Uh, and then the question that I posed to the other guys, which I will now give my two cents on, uh, had, you know, if I could start all over again, had nothing. Um, honestly, I'm just going to kind of bring it a little bit beyond that. If I could start with absolutely nothing, not own a train period, uh, it would be a lot different collection than what I have now. Uh, that, that is for sure. But that's a topic for a different day. But as far as track, uh, I would definitely do one of the non-rotabitted tracks, you know, Ross, Ross and Gargrays is probably number one, just because of the ease of use. Like I said, with the, uh, you know, it does fall some cutting, but, uh, that was something that I knew going into this, uh, that I would knew, I knew I would eventually need a Dremel, uh, cause that's, so I bought one last week and, uh, it works pretty good. It's a kind of a hard one to get used to, you know, my hands are a little shaky. I found that out rather quickly. I was actually messaging Matt about it. I'm thinking, Matt, what do I do? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> so he gave me some things, and it, uh, uh, I got it. I got it to cut, and it worked out pretty well. But uh, there won't be the last piece I'll have to cut for sure. And then I'll definitely look into the flex track because I'll need that uh, at a later date. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what we got. I'm, I'm really excited to uh, do it, and I'll definitely keep everybody updated on the Discord and all that sort of thing. Um, I will also do the roadbed. I'm going to buy the uh, Woodland Scenics uh, foam roadbed. We're going to give that a try. I've never used that either. I've used cork before, but not the foam stuff. So I don't know what to expect, but uh, we'll uh, we'll take a look at it and see. Uh, my one thing, though, that I will probably do to uh, Ross, uh, this track that I have, is I probably will end up weathering it just because the shiny silver rail on it is uh, is quite uh, quite an eyesore. But uh, that's that. Uh, and real quick, uh, then I'll be done here, is on uh, tubular track. And like I kind of said, that Ross is kind of like a more modern Super O uh, track in that kind of sense. But uh, if I was doing a, uh, you know, like a post-war style layout, uh, it would be without a doubt to use a real tubular track, uh, whether it's the reproduction or the, you know, original stuff from the 60s or 50s, whatever. Um that just screams, you know, that's the stuff to use, you know. I've often thought, you know, sitting down here late at night thinking, you know, 
what would it look like if I did a uh, Christmas theme layout? You know, uh, maybe a separate little section off my main board and did a, you know, Christmas, you know, line up post royal layout, that sort of deal. Uh, and I would definitely do it with, uh, you know, uh, true tubular track. Uh, just because it would just be nostalgia as all get out. And I just think that would be a ton of fun. But uh, that's all I got. And uh, that's what we got going for tonight. Guys, any closing thoughts before we call tonight? Um, You know, I think uh, when it comes down to it, you know, everyone should use the track. You know, you've heard us talk about our opinions on what track looks like. Um, the track that we use, our suggestions. But when it comes down to it, you know, do your own little bit of research and use the track that you think looks the best for you. And if that ends up being tubular, so be it. If you like fast track, go with fast track. Um, if you like some of the higher quality, you know, ones that, you know, have the ties and don't have the built-in roadbed, go for that as well. So, uh, and when, when everything comes down to it, it's your layout, you know, it's your imagination and you do what looks best for you. And it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks. Right. But hopefully you can take what we, we discussed tonight, uh, back with you and just use that as, Hey, now I have a little bit more knowledge about track and radius. And I'll put that into some of the thought uh, when you either decide to a maybe you're starting a new layout, maybe you're upgrading a layout, uh, um, or you know maybe you're so advanced that uh, you know you're beyond what we said tonight, and you're the you know you're the king of track. Uh, but that's okay, <laughs> that's okay too. But uh, yeah, I, I, I just again, you know, use the track that fits you the best. And- Johnny, go ahead. Uh, the same kind of same thing as Matt. Just kind of choose the track system that works best for you, and just uh, don't be afraid to experiment. Um, developing it is track is quite literally the the foundation of your layout. Is what your trains on, and it's definitely something you want to do your research on, and definitely not something you want to skimp out on. If you don't have good track, and then you're not going to have great good operations with your trains. And uh, making sure you take the time to lay that track properly, to wire it properly, and to choose the best one for your particular layout is super important. So definitely take a look, see how, what resources you have, and uh, don't be afraid to ask people. I wish I would have done that when I bought scale tracks because I would have learned to avoid it like the plague. So, but yeah, for sure. Uh, hopefully this helps some folks out there who are considering switching track systems, trying to buy a new track system, or uh, maybe this maybe this is confirmed that you did get the right track system for yourself. So that is my two cents. How are you, Matt? No, I think that this is uh, definitely very good information. If you're, if you're starting out, you know what, Matt? We should make a playlist. I don't know if there's a way to do that. We should make a playlist about all of our you know, layout building episodes and uh, link them or do something with them so everybody can have a resource as to what, you know, if they're looking to start a uh, layout or building one or whatever. Uh, could look into that. We'll have to, we'll have to see yeah. if there's a way to do that. Sure, we but, could do um, that. Yeah, I'm sure there's some. Yeah. I'm sure we can do something like that on the Discord. Oh yeah, I I think that that would be good. And real quick, uh, one thing I forgot to mention when I was talking about this was uh, on my fast track switches. Uh, Johnny talked about earlier about uh, buying 060 switches, and I did something even worse. I bought 036 command switches, and 
the command switches are fantastic, but not biting the bullet and just buying the 072 switches was a huge mistake, and I deeply regret that. Um, but you know what? What can you do? You live and learn. And uh, sometimes, you know, asking questions and kind of figuring things out, you know, on your own and all that sort of thing, you know, may come to bite you. But, you know, if you've got a resources, like Johnny said, use them. And this is something that uh, Eric Siegel often says when he does, you know, tutorials on uh, things that can have kind of high opinions is, you know, uh, don't take what we've said here as a rule book for doing uh, track, you know, take a track system that you like, that looks, that looks good enough for what you want to do a radius that you like, you know, whatever it be. If you don't got the room for big, don't do big. If you want to do roadbed on the carpet, go ahead. Uh, roadbed carpet. Oh, 31. Nothing wrong with that by any means. If, if that's all you got room for, Hey, go ahead, have fun. But, uh, you know, kind of take what you can from this and our other layout building episodes and, uh, you know, cherry pick ideas and make them your own, you know, bring them to your own needs. And uh, if you need help, you know, you can email us, you know, throw us on the Discord, throw, uh, chat on Facebook, uh, whatever the case may be. And, uh, you know, we can also get some discussion going uh, in the forum post for this. Uh, I will link, uh, actually, in the forum post for this, and I'll, have, I'll remind Matt to do it in the show notes. I will link a couple links. I'll have him throw uh, Derek's episode with... Uh, uh, Steve from Ross Custom Switches. He did a video. He did a podcast with him. That's one of his first ones. I remember listening to that quite a while. Actually, I might be listening to this after this call is over because that was a good episode. Uh, Derek, if you're listening to this, great episode, man. But um, that one, and I'll link my video on uh, uh, command switches because uh, that one's a pretty popular one. And while on the topic of fast track, we'll, we'll link another buddy. We'll link uh, Sid's trains. He did a video on. Uh, uh, a couple things he did was a uh, fast track double crossover, uh, which that one was really cool. It's one of his most popular videos, I believe. Um, that one, and uh, we'll link his uh, electrical one on uh, the little short pieces. Just because you know what? It's always good to have resources out there. All right, so yeah, like I said, uh, you know, pick, cherry pick what you can out of this. And, uh, you know, if you need help, there's always people to help you. So, uh, Matt, where can people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on YouTube at WC Model Railroad. Uh, I'm on Facebook as WC Model Railroad. And wow, big surprise. I'm on Instagram at WC Model Railroad. So uh, yeah, check me out. Uh, let me know. I've been posting videos uh, lately and posting on Instagram and making YouTube shorts. So I'm definitely back on the content creating uh, train here, so to speak. Johnny? You can find me on YouTube at Audubus. That's A-U-D-A-M-U-S. I just made a video recently of me highlighting the new uh, Lionel Class A that Sid and I upgraded. So if you want to see that, check out the skits and all the fun stuff we put together for that video. It'll be on my channel. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Audubus underscore trains. And then you can also find me on Discord on the Matt and Matt Ouskill podcast server here. Uh, usually I'm scrolling through the chats and I'm making a fool of myself in voice chat. So come on down. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. And you can find myself on YouTube under Matt-Trainlover9943. 
Facebook under the same name, Instagram as Mets.Hobbies. And like Johnny said on the Discord, you know, having fun, usually talking with our buddy Isaac about sound files. You know, that's the stuff we do, but uh, that's what we do. So I uh, uh, hope you guys all enjoy this episode and you guys all take care. Have a good one and we'll see you for the next one. Have a good night. Simple.